Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Cop Talk. Talking crime. Cases and backing the blue. Now, here are your hosts, Captain Ed Mamet and Detective Kevin Schroeder. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cop Talk. My name is Kevin Schroeder, retired NYPD detective. I'm here with my co host, retired Captain Ed Mamet. Hello, listeners to WABC. We are here in Washington, D.C., um, and we're going to interview some very interesting fellows from Cleveland. Okay. We're down here in Washington, D.C. for the National Police Week. Um, we're here with three members of the Cleveland Police Department, John Coopers, Mike Schroeder, and Tom Ross. John, welcome. Guys, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us, Kevin. So, John, uh, I'll start with you, if that's okay. Would you tell me, you know, what brings you down here this week to National Police Week? I'm John Kubis. I'm a sergeant with the Cleveland Division of Police, and I'm currently assigned to the 3rd District which encompasses the downtown area of Cleveland, uh, the near part of the near west side, and uh, some of the eastern end of the, the city of Cleveland. Um, I'm down here with uh, co-workers and friends, um, and we're down here to celebrate uh, Detective James Skernovich, who was killed in the line of duty back in September of 2020. Mike? Sergeant Michael J. Schroeder. I'm also with the City of Cleveland Division of Police. I'm in the 4th District. Detective Bureau slash uh, Violent Crime Reduction Team, and I'm also a uh, delegate with the FOP Lodge 8, which encompasses the supervisors. Tom? Uh, Tom Ross, assigned to the city's uh, first district, which is the far west side of Cleveland. Um, down here with, uh, like John said, other members of the Honor Guard to, uh, to honor all our fallen officers from across the country. Right. So. And unfortunately, you lost uh, Detective James Skernovitz, known as Skern. Right? Yes. Uh, and he was killed in line of duty back in September of 2020. Um, could you just touch on that a little bit, if you guys don't mind? Yes, yeah, so it, it was on September 3rd of 2020. Um, it was later in the night, I believe it was around 10, between 10 and 11 p.m. Um, James Skernovitz was uh, working in the uh, gang impact unit for the uh, City of Cleveland Division of Police. And at the time, he was with a uh, a confidential reliable informant and they were um, putting together information on a case um, that James was investigating. Um, they were sitting in a car, it was an SUV and they were parked behind a closed business over on the near west side in the city of Cleveland. Um, the parking lot was empty, there were some lights in the parking lot and they were sitting back there setting up the uh, the operation, um, doing some information gathering. when. Um, they were approached by three individuals. Um, one turned out to be an adult and two juveniles. Uh, they approached the car that um, Skern was sitting in with the informant and um, they just opened fire on um, Jim. Um, Jim, seeing him walk up, actually tried to drive away and, uh, but to no avail, he was struck in the, um, under the armpit which pierced his heart and lungs 
and subsequently uh, caused him to crash the car into a pole. And also the uh, confidential informant in the car with him was also struck by the gunfire. And they, they succumbed to their injuries um, later at the hospital. So we, um, Jim was put on the wall in uh, October of 2021. And um, we, come, we came down here at that time to honor him when he was put on the wall and participate in the activities. Jim was an avid member of the Honor Guard, Cleveland Police Honor Guard. He loved it. He spent numerous years coming down here to honor other fallen officers. Um, this was a tradition for Jim, and we kind of keep it up to honor him and keep his tradition alive of coming to D.C. and honoring our fallen um, officers from around the country. I'm going to kind of switch a little bit and kind of give a funny story about Jim. Um, we worked together in the gang unit. We were both detectives. Uh, we did a lot of undercover work together. And uh, some of the best times of my career were with Jimmy. And um, I can recall, you know, he was always a freeze baby. So we'd be in the car and he'd be turning the heat up. I'd be turning it back down. We'd be turning the heat up. It was like, it was like a trap. It was like it was going to rain in there. So I started ripping the knobs off. We ripped the knobs off inside the car. Somehow he still was able to get his fingers and turn that heat on. It would be a constant battle back and forth. And we'd just laugh and laugh. And just all the good times we had together I mean we had one incident where I had just got done doing an undercover buy and uh, we were driving and I didn't have any of my equipment and a guy came in front of us right with a gun so I jumped out I started chasing him and uh, we're yelling back and forth he's going this way he's going that way he's going this way he's going that way and we ended up catching him and finding him and everything but it's just the best times of my career were with Jimmy and I miss him so much you know every day I think about him I wake up and I wear his bracelet every day and you know and I still do what I do because of him because he'd tell us he'd be like hey keep up the good fight keep up the good fight guys so that's what we did you know so that's about all I got for you guys but uh so he was a jokester yeah a hundred percent jokester you know and uh playing pranks on you you know he'd come up to you and he'd stick his fingers underneath your nose and just be like, hey, Bubba, you know, and you just out of nowhere, you know, and just, just the funny things that he would do. When you're in a bad mood, he'd get us he'd get us rocking and rolling in the office ready to go, you know. Yeah. He was like the OG. Yeah, I'll just piggyback off what Mike said. I mean, constantly. So everything, there was not a, a conversation that, that Skern and I had in, you know, 20 years that didn't come back to some one-liner from a few good men. You know, and in return, you know, put my name in where Colonel Jessupers, and it's ironically the, the day he was killed, and I'll never forget him. I've, I've, you know, saved them. I've printed them out. I've put them on a flash drive. Was our text message thread, which was like twelve thirty nine that day, and sure enough, it's back and forth. You know, uh, you know, Tommy boy, I think she outranks you and stuff like that, and. I'll never forget, I came off the road that night about 2200, 10 p.m., and it was a beautiful, beautiful full harvest moon, and I took a picture of it. Wow. And there was just this beautiful breeze coming through, and I'm, I'm walking from the, uh, the back parking lot into the district, and my phone just keeps ringing, keeps ringing, keeps ringing, and I've got both my hands full, so I don't answer the phone. So they get up the door, guys are flying out the door. Um, been, you know, there's an officer shot in the second. So I, I go in, check in with my boss, and then at the same time I finally answer the phone. It's another, actually one of the CEOs of the Honor Guard telling me that it had been Jim that was hit. So I turn around and just fly to Metro, and by the time I got there, he'd already been uh, pronounced dead. But it was, 
it was just a good lesson, you know, in this job that you just don't know. You know, an old timer told me we don't pick the day, the day picks us. Yes, and and true. 10 hours before, we're all standing over his body at Metro Hospital. Here he is, joking and just being what he was. Yeah. And I'll, I'll never mm -hmm. forget that side of him. And like John alluded to, I think we'll keep coming here as long as we're members of this department and maybe long after. You know, I can relate to what happened because I did five years of undercover work. And um, I was just wondering, do you think this was a setup? Uh, because they knew there were drugs in the car and money? That's usually what happens. Or was it just a random kind of holdup? Uh, I think it was more of a random type thing. Um, we're not 100% sure, but it seemed random because of the way the, the parking lot was empty. No one knew they were going there. You know, that was, that it, it was, it, they used that as just a meat spot, you know, for to start the operation. So I don't believe that it was a, a setup. I believe that it was just a random thing, wrong place, wrong time, like, you know, Patrolman Ross said, you know, when it's our time, it's our time, unfortunately. You know, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't uh, call it, you know, and I, I just think it was a random thing. Well, about 20 years ago, there was a case somewhat similar where two detectives uh, doing a, making an undercover buy were uh, murdered in the car. Um, do you remember that, Kevin? Which one? You talking about yeah, the... It was um, in Staten, uh, in Staten the detectives. It was actually, they were doing a gun buy. A yeah. gun buy, right. And uh, they were... They were killed in the car, so, so it's kind of very dangerous. And the people listening should know that that undercover work is extremely dangerous. Yeah, it's very which, dangerous. Which way it's going to go? Yeah, right, right. Now uh, there's an arrest made, right? They were arrested. The, That's correct. Uh, three, three perpetrators, I believe. Yes. Uh, weapons recovered. They were, uh, yeah. The weapons were recovered. They had actually dismantled the weapons. So there was arrest made on that too, I believe. There was uh, more yeah, people involved. Yeah, there was. Uh, that process? Yes. Yes. So, okay. And Thank then uh, this has gone to trial already, this case? Yes. Yeah, so there was um, persons Thank were you. charged in this. There was three shooters, um, and then there were some other people uh, involved with this after the incident, which they hid the evidence for the suspects. Um, you know, good detective work by the uh, Cleveland Division of Police, uh, Jimmy's co-workers. Uh, they were able to apprehend the suspects rather quickly and recover the evidence and, and put this case together. Ultimately, um, one male was just sentenced uh, back in April, uh, received a 50-plus year sentence um, for the killing of uh, you know, Detective Skernovitz and um, the confidential informant. Um, the other two were juveniles. Um, one in the, in the state of Ohio, they have called juvenile life. Um, I believe that he was 15 at the time, so um, he's 18 now. But I think he'll just stay in, in juvenile lockup till he's 21, as long as he doesn't commit, he doesn't cause any problems within the jail or anything to, you know, extend his sentence. And then the um, the other individual got some got some jail time too, but never enough justice for uh, for Jimmy. But unfortunately, um, you know, like, uh, things like this happen. We know this when we get on the job. You know, like like Tom said, you know, the day's picked for us. You have any uh, funny stories? Good stories? I mean, good memories? Yeah, you know, actually, start? actually, the funny thing is, was um, I started Cleveland Division of Police in 1997, and I worked in a, the Fourth District, and I actually worked with Tom for a little bit, and. Um, I put in for a transfer, and in the year 2003, I got sent to the 4th District, or I'm sorry, I got sent to the 3rd District, 
where I happen to currently work now. And I get out to the third district, and I didn't know Jim Skernovitz at the time. And, and my first impression of him was like, "Wow, who's this guy?" Like, <laughs> he's you know he's always a jokester and all that. And I didn't I didn't know him, so he kind of like rubbed me the wrong way at first. And I was like, "Okay, you know," because I didn't. And then once I got to know Jim, you know, we became like best friends. And you know, I look back at that and I laugh, you know, because at first that's just kind of how he was. He, if you didn't really know him, he might come off as a little like abrasive or a little cocky or whatever at the time, but I mean, he's, he was your best friend. I mean, when he got to know you, he, he took care of you and looked out for you. Uh, there's just so many funny stories. I can't even, um, I can't recall them all. You know, they, they live up in my memories, but he was one of my guys. And you know, when I needed something done, he was my go-to guy. And, um, you know, I'd bring him along with me. And I know you had an opportunity to, to see him and meet him on several occasions, so. Yes, I did. Skern was a lot of fun. As we know, we call him Skern. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everybody, he was known as Skern. Um, no one really, I think his, I don't know who called him by first name. Maybe when he was getting yelled at by his wife or, or his mom or, or something. But other than that, it was Skern. Did the city of Cleveland uh, make good on his death by taking care of his uh, family? Yeah, for, fortunately, uh, through the Blue Courts organization, uh, Blue Coats, their police supporters, are, were businesses, um, business leaderships, and they'd get together and they, uh, help the family out. Um, I think they get their house paid off and kids get college tuition and a lot of the companies, we had big support out there in the city of Cleveland. So, um, of course it's never enough to replace Jimmy, but they did help out and we did have an overwhelming amount of response from the community um, when this happened. Donating food and drinks and, you know, just all the cards that came in, there was a lot of stuff. I mean, that, you know, the community really did come together. But does the city have a p specific provision? Like New York City has what's called a widow's pension, um, where the city actually pays the uh, pension to the widow for life. Yours sounds like it was more like private donations. Well, no, I mean, there, it's it's kind of a complex because, I mean, there's in line of duty deaths, there's federal benefits, there's state benefits, there's, you know, the donations we talked about in Blue Code. So uh, I can't speak, you know, we can't speak specifically, but it's, you know, it's now at the time, those, yeah. at the time of the uh, funeral, which I was, I also attended with some members from NYPD, who were friends with Skern and got to know him as well as you guys. Um, the um, in regards to the um, his family, now he has a wife and children, correct? Yeah. So um, Jim had a, a son, and then um, when he married Kristen, they had they had two children together. So he had a son outside of uh, before he married Kristen, his wife, and then they had they had two kids together. Um, at the time, they were all adults, uh, younger adults, and um, and then his uh, his oldest son is actually lives in the state of Texas, and um, and he had lived with Kristen and and the two kids there in um, you know in the Cleveland area. And at his funeral, uh, at the time, Attorney General Barr attended correct and spoke at the uh, yeah so Jim was um, as part of the gang the gang unit within the city of Cleveland um, they were close with the FBI and other federal agencies and Jim was sworn in as a task force officer mm -hmm. actually the night before you know he never even told me about it uh, I talked to Jim every every afternoon uh, at the time I was working a seven to three shift I'd get off work and he would go in five or six o'clock so between that three and o'clock we'd either text or get on the phone and talk um, 
and the night before he got sworn in, he never even told me, so I was surprised at it. So actually at the time, he was, uh, as a task force officer, um, he carried those credentials. And um, obviously at the time, A.G. Barr, you know, uh, appreciated uh, Jim's sacrifice and being so new, sworn into the uh, FBI task force that he felt he had to come out and he did speak at his funeral. It was very, it was very nice and touching yes. that he was able to recognize him. Can you tell us anything about Cleveland politics and the police department? Well, I think it's just like every every big city um, on the political wise. Um, Cleveland's suffering a lot of the same stuff that um, the big cities, you know, like New York, um, L.A. Obviously, at a much smaller scale because uh, Cleveland's not as big as size. Um, but we have our difficulties now. Um, it's not un unique to Cleveland, but we are having a problem uh, with recruiting at the time, which is common in a lot of the big police departments. Yes. And it's really happened over the last several years. Um, there's a lot, of in a, lot of, a lot of reasons for that, but, you know, we're, we're trying, and, you know, we're trying to do our best. How many police officers do you have now? How many members? So I, currently, um, we're around 1,300 officers right now. 1300 and yeah, is that down from so if, 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 you, if you go to the peak when when I started in the year 1997 we had nearly 2,000 officers so just in that 26 year period we had lost um, approximately six to seven hundred officers due to a variety of different reasons um, recently now just a lot of guys are just choosing to retire which is I think common in you know um, Cleveland and you know New York City and a lot of the other big police departments um, so we're struggling, but we're you know we're we're doing the best we can. Now, John, you retired and came back with the drop drop program. So what we have in the uh, in the state of Ohio, um, once you put in twenty five years and you reach the age limit, um, the, the state of Ohio, the retirement system offers uh, a program called drop uh, deferred retirement option pension, which allows you to continue to work and, and collect your normal salary and. Um, instead of collecting your pension money when you're eligible, that pension money goes into a little separate savings account where you can accrue interest and additional savings. And uh, it keeps some of the veteran law enforcement officers around uh, a little longer instead of you know, opting to retire when they, when they hit that, that time. Uh, so it's a good program. Um, unfortunately, on the police department, this seems like less and less are opting into that. They're just choosing you know, to retire. Um, and in the state of Ohio, our pension system shared with the firemen. So the firemen also have that option at the same time, and a lot of them are in that uh, program, but it seems like the police are, levels are going lower for that, but that's, I'm sure there's many reasons why. The ironic thing was back in 2020, um, I was around two years from retirement, and Jim was just maybe two years, six months, and. Um, just in a few days before he got murdered, we had conversations of, you know, hey, Jimmy, we got to decide what we want to do. Um, just kind of mulling that around. Are we retired? Are we going in the drop? You know, what we're going to do? Because um, as everybody knows, 2020 was a little turbulent year for law enforcement. A lot of challenges came our way. You know, we got through it. But, you know, you got to look on the realistic side. We had families, and, you know, if we didn't have to work anymore, we'd have to make that decision. And, you know, if we were going to retire, keep working. And, um, we just talked about that actually several days before he got killed. So the drop program, you defer your, your pension, correct? Yeah, right now it's um, up to eight years. 
and then um, you got to do a minimum of five. If if you leave before the fifth year, uh, you can't touch any of your your job money. So it's like a contract you sign. Kind of like a contract, yeah. You can retire at any time, but you just can't touch that money that goes into the uh, the drop account to that set time period of five years. And then, but at once you hit your eighth year, uh, your eighth year is complete. You have to leave. You have to leave your department. Then you you collect your pension, and then um, you have access to the drop money. So it's a little incentive for some of the old timers. It's called you know, be able to stick around a little bit. Yeah, well, in New York City, uh, what's the age limit with um, Cleveland? New York City, it's 63 years old. You have to move on. So yeah, so we currently, um, it was, when I got on, it was 48. Now it's 52, just uh, to be able to retire with the, with uh, 25 years of service. And then um, currently now the city of Cleveland, once you hit age 65, you have to leave. 65, yeah. yeah. Um, even 65 is young. So if you want to stick yeah. around, it's a great program. Come sticking around, doing the same job. Um, pension safe and you're still collecting a, a salary. As, as I recall some years ago there was discussion about the equivalent of the drop program in New York but the unions were against it. They were worried that people coming back would prevent um, in-service cops from getting promoted, interfering. You know how unions behave. Anybody that comes in from outside there's a resentment even though they were cops. So it's <clears throat> and I think it, it went over big out west uh, but I, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, so you, you currently, you don't, um, I guess it's say that you retired on paper. You're still active. I never um, retired within the city, I, you know, um, just as the pension system. You know to find that you'd like to enter drop, and once you hit the qualifications, oh, that's it. So um, as far as the city's concerned, you know, we're still regular. I kept my rank, and it was just like status quo. So it's something more on the pension end in the state of Ohio. So uh, the department really has nothing to do with uh, enter and drop or not. We just go to it on our own and um, you know we just stay in our, our current role wherever we're at, whatever you know, we're so assigned you did, to. So you, you did what you did before, you're actually on patrol? Yeah, so I'm a sergeant. Uh, currently um, I do administrative duties within one of our five police districts, which is District 3. Uh, so yeah, I'm still considered under the patrol section too. Yeah. So your job description never changed. It's like correct. It never, it, never, left. it never changed. Like you never leave. So it's something through the, just through the pension system, and then um, the city keeps you know contributing as they normally would, and um, yeah. So there's really no change on it. Uh, you know where the city would at least the way it is in the state of Ohio. Uh, I know some other states have drop. Um, I guess it all depends on each state. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Tom, being with the union, you find that you're on the executive board for the union, correct? Correct. Do you find you you you're, you guys are more busy now today with today's climate with all 
allegations and false allegations. Oh, yeah. So we have three members on full-time release to the CPPA. So the CPPA represents non-supervisory patrol detectives and the dispatchers. Um, all three people that are detailed to the union are all disciplined all the time. Some of the things when I was previously on the board from 06 to 14, you know, we had time to, you know, focus on fundraising and, you know, make sure we had our hand at the political table, um, forming alliances with different, you know, community organizations. Um, so we've kind of, you know, got off the, the boat with that a little bit because everyone's so dizzy, busy from some aspect of discipline. So we're hoping to change that. Um, under this current chief, things will appear to have gotten a little easier, um, a little more common sense. Right. Realizing that officers make mistakes, and he seems to um, understand that and, and give guys a break where it's needed, and we appreciate that. So hopefully going forward, I mean, in the end, listen, we're all wearing the same badge, we're in the same uniform, and uh, I know, you know, these guys have been my friends for a long time. I know they're proud to be Cleveland cops. I'm proud to be a Cleveland cop. I've, you know, I've got total 26 years on um, I had some previous time before coming to Cleveland. My retirement's nowhere in sight. I think we have an obligation to coming here every year like we do to bring this younger generation and, and teach them the things. I mean, they don't know what they don't know. Right. So, you know, we don't bash them and, you know, this and that. We try to pull them along and show them the good things about the job. So hopefully we can continue to keep doing that. I know Skern would if he were here. Yeah. Do, you have a, do you have a civilian complaint review board or its equivalent? Yes. No one likes to be the subject of a complaint, um, but we understand it comes with the territory. Um, I think what, what a lot of society doesn't understand is, you know, we're not, no one looks for special treatment, just fair treatment. You know, innocent till proven guilty, or, uh, you know, I remember my, one time this, there was a lot of things that were going on in the department. My wife, who works in the financial services industry, they sat around and they, what would we have to do to get that kind of punishment? And it, it, they couldn't even think of something. And it's, you know, and it's, it bothers a lot of kids. A lot of these kids are, you know, they're, they're, they're scared of that kind of thing, of, of getting, you know, in trouble for doing that. And I just pray in general in our, in our field that it doesn't cost someone getting hurt. Right. Because they were scared to use force, or they were scared to draw their weapon. Right. It's a That's real right. concern. It is a very, it is a very concerning. Mike, you're also a delegate, correct? With yes, the, uh, with the FOP. FOP? Correct. And uh, how's that compared to, say, being a delegate with um, Cleveland PBA? We represent all the supervisors, so I mean, we still follow the same. Like the contracts almost mirror each other; they're a little bit off. Um, we all follow the same policies and, and general police orders and things like that. Um, we just have a lot less members. Um, I think we're probably at what, like 300 and something now. We're down, uh, we're down probably 50 sergeants close to, and I think we're down three lieutenants and a couple captains. So um, we're we're also at low numbers with supervisors too. So we're doing the best that we can with you know what we have, and um, we have a state conference coming up here soon in June, and then we have the national that we're going to be attending uh, in Vegas. So. Okay. That's coming up in uh, August. August is Vegas. Yes. Should be very hot in Vegas. Yes. <laughs> August. It'll be interesting. It's my first yeah. one, so I'm excited. I heard there's a lot oh, of great. good, a lot of good classes and stuff that you can take there, and 
you know, meet a lot of good people. I'm, I'm excited because I'm thinking about actually running for a, an executive spot here in the next couple of years when some of our executives retire. So, you know, we have many listeners who are not familiar with the what FOP means. Could you explain to our listeners what the initials FOP stand for? Fraternal Order of Police, and they're a nationwide organization, and then they have lodges throughout all the different states. Um, like we're Lodge 8 in, in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, a lot of the, the, the suburbs use FOP, their patrolmen and their bosses. Um, like I said, in Cleveland, it's just the supervisors. But uh, they're a national organization, and uh, they're a very well-respected organization, and they do donate a lot of stuff to other charities with, you know, throughout, uh, throughout the United States and abroad. I mean, they do a lot of stuff with kids and all those kind of things. Yeah, I think the FOP is just like the PBA. It's just, you know different uh, different letters from the alphabet. It's the same type thing. I know in New York they use, you know, PBA, um, or, you know, um, but we use uh, the patrolmen in the city of Cleveland. I had the Cleveland Police Patrolman Association and the supervisors, like uh, Mike said, you know, we're under the FOP. A lot of times we mirror the same stuff, like he said, though, but just an organization similar to your PBA, like in New York, you guys were under. And, um, well, there was, there was a time smile. when the when the FOP tried to move in uh, on the New York City Police Department. This is called maybe 30 years ago. Hmm. It was quite a bit of a controversy. Now, you guys are in the Color Guard, correct? Correct. Uh, okay. And, yeah. that, and you're also... Yeah, so that... the um, while you're here. Matter of fact, Skern's the one who recruited me to get into the uh, Honor Guard. And uh, every year he'd ask me to come to D.C., with him, and every year I, you know, I came up with an excuse, and then you know, I, I that's something I got to live with now. And then, the first time I actually came here with the honor guard was when we put him on the wall, and then now you know I plan on attending as, you know, every year that I could go, and uh, you know I got to live with not going with him because you know I, I missed out on that, and so I make sure I go now to help keep his memory, and you know I know he's up there watching us now. He was big into the honor guard though. He loved this stuff. <coughs> we did a lot of funerals, unfortunately. Um, in the city of Cleveland, we will do retirees' funerals. Um, of course, line of duty deaths. Um, other smaller departments within the state of Ohio have called us, our Cleveland Police Honor Guard, and we've assisted them and sometimes even ran uh, funerals on some of the smaller departments within Ohio. Um, so uh, Jimmy was always there. Uh, Tom, Mike, we, we, you know, a lot of a lot of good times together. And Jimmy always made us laugh, and he was big into the police memorial stuff. Um, you know, when I wouldn't go, he'd get mad at me, but he then he'd bring me back something like a coin or, you know, a memorial coin or something, he'd bring, or a T-shirt. You know, Jimmy was he was an avid softball player too. And matter of fact, he played with some guys out of the Pittsburgh Police Department. And um, anybody who knows Cleveland and Pittsburgh are. Like, you know, like brother, sister, and, you know, with the football teams and all that, there's that big rivalry, and, you know, Jimmy would go out to Pittsburgh and play softball with those guys. And um, just a great overall guy to be around. Now, John, you said you were an ambassador uh, last night at the candle, Candlelight visit. Yeah, so um, Tom over here uh, is an ambassador for the um, National Law Enforcement Week, um, you know, and the National Law Enforcement Memorial. And... Uh, they asked Tom to come out this year, and um, Tom recruited us, asked us to help out, and we gladly did. We're here. That's like you know we'll do it. And we had worked the candlelight visual last night. It's like ushers and um, 
kind of keep an eye on the gates, directing people where to go, doing stuff like that. And uh, we owe credit to Tom to getting that lined up for us. Last night was a very, you know, it's a nice event the way they set it up and the, uh, the members of service, their families were there, right? SOS, Survivor of the Shield, they were there from all over the country. Um, it was a very nice ceremony. They really did it nice. And um, now what are you guys going to do uh, tonight? What's uh, on the agenda for today and tonight? Well, uh, we'll be heading down to Jute, New Jersey and F Street. Um, mm -hmm. The National Emerald Society holds their annual uh, parade and service. So we'll be going down there and we'll march from uh, that location up to the memorial where the National uh, Emerald Society officers will be having a service. So a lot of pipe bands there, there'll be a lot of great music and color guards and uh, probably some fellowship afterwards and then we'll all be um, you know, tomorrow's National Pe actual National Peace Officers Memorial Day that President Kennedy declared in 1963. Um, so our survivor families will be the capital. We'll be over at the actual memorial doing another service sponsored by the ambassadors. Um, so the, the ambassador program, National Law Enforcement Officer Memorial, is something I just got involved in. And essentially we're split the country into regions. So it's going to be my duties to a, you know, is to promote the, the memorial, the museum, and then promote our officer wellness programs. And most importantly, to assist an agency when they suffer a line of duty death. A lot of agencies, you know, they've never had one. And they have no idea what to do, where to start. And the first thing they're going to be is bombarded to do this, do that. So the, the memorial comes in and provides some stability, recognizes an agency that can help them out. but. Um, you know, for the, for the cops on here listening, you've got to get to this week at least once in your career. And you'll probably, if you get that one time, you will pledge like us to come back as often yes, as you I can. I agree. I agree. It's really an overwhelming experience, especially if you're adding a name. Um, you know, since John's most senior among us, um, we've added nine names since he came on, eight since I came on. There's 111 total, Cleveland PD. So, you know, there's a lot of names in our agents here and, and the surrounding areas. So. Yes, yes. New York had many. Unfortunately, of New course, York had many yeah. as well. Um, a couple of years of candlelight vigil, when we did, normally we just do, we were in our class A's and we do escorts, but one of them was uh, a 9-11 cancer death. And I just, you know, walking with that family and hearing all about her, um, it's something you never forget. No, I mean, and what's sad too is many of you know many law enforcement personnel died on 9/11, as we all know. But since 9/11, there's been double, almost maybe soon going to be unfortunately triple the amount of law enforcement personnel. You know, not only from New York because everyone responded. You know, whether you're from Kansas City or Cleveland, Ohio, you guys were there. I mean, and you got it. You know, you guys do you guys go for the 9/11 checkup every year? Do you go for your checkup every year with the 9/11 program? We weren't. We didn't go to, to post 9/11. Not yeah. immediately. We went there, I think, 60 days after for a ceremony. But no, we were not on the. We wanted to go, I and mean, we were scratching and clawing to get right. permission. But no. Well, unfortunately, a lot of police personnel, yeah. first responders who came to New York, a week later, a month later, um, they don't realize, and, and hopefully they're being educated now. But they didn't realize that hey, that we have a program here. It's a 9/11 program that you need to be checked out once a year. Because God forbid, God forbid, you get sick, and as we see what's happening now, you know you want to be, make sure you get the proper care, and God forbid, you know your family's taken care of. Um, a lot of folks don't know that, and they should know that. 
we try to put that message out there on this podcast, Cop Talk. Yeah, uh, some time ago we had the people involved <coughs> in the program, and uh, they wanted it known that anybody that was down there, even if they're from not from New York, is eligible for the program. And uh, hundreds of out-of-town cops responded. I remember people coming in from all over the place. Uh, <coughs> they are eligible for the program, and they, a lot of them don't know it. So if you have anybody that was from your agency that went there <coughs> to 9-11 at the time uh, and they're having problems, you should encourage them to get involved with the 9-11 uh, monitoring program. Yes, thank you, yeah. Do you have people that went? I think we might have said, I think some people went on their own, um, if I remember correctly. It's going back a few years, so my, my memory's fading a little bit, but uh, I know some of them, like, like Tom went, or Tom, like sixty days after some of the guys went for some services after, but well, um, yeah, we'll make sure to give you guys that information. Yeah, if you can okay. pass along to Cleveland. We appreciate so. that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh, I just think these fellows deserve a lot of credit. They sure do. Thank you. Sure do. Thank you. So, so do you guys. Yeah. yeah, you guys paved the way for us. I mean, yeah, it's an honor to sit here with yeah, you guys. With you guys, definitely. Well, Kevin and I uh, get out. If we were in today, I think uh, we wouldn't last. We'd take the hell of a beating. <laughs> yeah. You know, New York has so many problems. I mean, the crazy city council. Are you familiar with the chest compression law? You ever hear of that one? No. In New York, if you do anything uh, with the prisoner, like put pressure on the chest, you can get arrested. Right? So cold. And, and then qualified immunity, you know about that? Yes. So the New York City Council will not allow qualified immunity to be used as a defense by the city's lawyers. And neither will the state of New York. So the cops in New York, you know, they're, they're constrained by all these stupid, you know, laws. That's why they're having a tough time recruiting. Yeah. Face a lot of challenges. I think it's similar in a lot of cities, um, big cities. Unfortunately, um, you know, but like as law enforcement, I say, you know, we get the job done no matter what the politicians or whatever they throw away. I, I think the good men and women that are on this police department, we get the job done at the end of the day. Even, you know, even those barriers we got to face and those, you know, always someone watching, you know, big brother and watching every move you make. But we still get the job done and we'll continue to do that. And like I said, Jimmy would have continued to do it. And that's why, you know, even... For myself, even after this, I, I considered hanging it up after Jimmy died. But you know, I, I still want to be here. You know, I want to be here as long as I can, and you know, um, hopefully they got to drag me out kicking and screaming. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know if those days are like that anymore. But I'm gonna, I'm, you know, I plan on staying as long as I can within that program, and uh, you know, I want to pass some stuff on to the younger generation. Um, me and Tom are academy instructors. Uh, on the side, uh, I just had the recruits last week. Tom has them coming up, and I try to pass some of our good institutional knowledge down on them, and you know, treat everybody right, and things will go your way. So, so I'd like to thank Sergeant John Kubis, Sergeant Mike Schroeder, same last name. Yes, we're related somewhere, I'm sure, and of course, uh, Police Officer Tom Ross. Can I leave you with another funny story about scaring? Sure, sure. So we're in the gang unit and we're all growing our hair out, right? Because that's the thing. When you're undercover, you grow the big beard there, yeah. right? So Skern, he's got a baby face. He's, he, no one would know his age. You know, you'd think he was in his late 30s, early 40s. He was in his 50s, right? So he, we all growing our hair out. And I actually have a great picture of us, just four of us together. We got all our long hair. And he's got this 
It looks like a head of broccoli on his head. But he still wants to do the honor guard. So he can't grow any facial hair. So he's got this head of broccoli. And it just sprouted up like this, you know. So he would, you, he would slick it back when he'd do the honor guard. But we were laughing. We got this great picture of him. Says, we're all there. We've got our hairs. And he's got this big head of broccoli sitting on top of his head. But that was just Jimmy. I mean, he would yeah. he'd be like, I'm in. But yeah. he couldn't grow the facial hair. So he just like it, it was the funniest picture. Yeah. You know, just and we just just the fun that we had with him. He had a knack about bringing people together too, like the three of us and one of our other close friends, Lieutenant Ed Lenz, who couldn't make it this year. They were partners together, and like the four of us are pretty tight because of him. You know, and we talk a lot and we share we share stories. You know, and send pictures back and forth to Skern. You know, and it's just it's a brotherhood that we've formed. You know, and it's going to be lifelong. You know, and we're going to keep his memory alive and. You know, and he he wants us. He'd want us to be here. You know, he'd want us. He'd be like, get your butts out there and march, boys. You know. Yeah, that's great. So, just all the cops out there, man, just stay in the fight. I mean, in the end, it's about that man and woman next to yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the picture. Yeah, that's there. a I picture. Yeah. On my phone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's wow. got that head of broccoli yep, on yep, there. Yep. But uh, yeah, I mean, just talking about him makes me tear up. You know, because yeah. he's scurny, man. Yeah, scurny. You know. You know. Guys, thank you so much, uh, Thanks, Cleveland Police Department, uh, for being here. Thank you for sharing yes, some great you. stories Remember. about Skern. Okay, uh, once again, I was fortunate to meet him through John, and I had a lot of fun with him with the short yeah. time I got to know him, <laughs> be around him. Um, but thank you guys so much. Once again, Sergeant John Coopers from Cleveland Police Department, Mike, Sergeant Mike Schroeder, and Police Officer Tom Ross. Thank you again for being here. So live from Washington, D.C., we're going to sign off now. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Cop Talk. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, and please be safe out there. Thank you.